0: A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Walking with Freya. So, May is PWS Awareness Month. It's coming up, and I have a lot to talk about, but I'm going to save that for next week because I have a fantastic interview to share with you today, and it's a bit longer than I've been doing lately. So, I will save all my business stuff for next week's episode. But if you're interested in getting a little heads up on what I'm talking about, some of the PWS Awareness Month activities that I'm Trying to get involved in or create them, please follow me on Instagram at Walking With Freya. Now, I would also like to direct your attention to the show notes for important links from this episode. <clears throat> so, the show notes are when you go to your podcast and it says description, it gives a description of the episode, and then you go down, you scroll down below that, and it gives you all the show notes. And in those, I put links to Books that we talk about, or websites, or um, various things like that. So I've mentioned before the rhythmic movement therapy that Freya used to do, and sometimes I still throw at her, and it's always lovely. It's the it's the Move Play Thrive as a business, and I've talked about it before. I've interviewed Sonia's story, and I mention it a lot because I think it's fantastic. And I'm adding a link because tuition for enrollment in the brain and sensory course is about to in- increase after April 30th. So I really think you guys should at least check out the website, check out what she's offering. The class looks, um, the course looks amazing, and it and it will teach you everything that that I talk about, and then so much more. So if you're interested and you want to get in before the tuition increases, go check out the link provided, go to the show notes, look at the link, click on it, and it'll take you to the website. Um, Or you can visit my website. I'll try to put up one of those like fun little pop-ups. So as soon as you get to the website, um, it'll come up. I'm doing that post uh, recording of this, so we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, I should be able to do it. So check my website out, A N N E F R I C K E. A-N-N-E-F-R-I-C-K-E.com. So you'll be able to find it there as well. Now, for this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with the very friendly, experienced, and knowledgeable Dr. Roseanne Kapanahaj. She is an integrative and pediatric mental health expert and trailblazer, the founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health and Dr. Roseanne and Associates, and is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Forbes Magazine called her a thought leader in children's mental health. Her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions, such as ADHD, anxiety, mood, autism, learning disability, Lyme, and PANS-pandas, using proven holistic therapies such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, and psychotherapy. She is the author of the first book, first ever book on teletherapy activities for child and adolescent therapists called Teletherapy Toolkit and the Get Unstuck program. I mean, this is a heavy hitter. When I was researching to prepare for this interview and I went to her website and there's a picture of her and Oprah. Yeah, that was pretty exciting and, I, and a little intimidating. So <laughs> now she has a book coming out May 11th and it's called It's Gonna Be Okay. For 30 years, Dr. Roseanne has been helping families reduce and reverse mental health symptoms with proven natural therapies that are safe and effective and with this book, you will learn the step-by-step way to help your child be focused, calm, and regulate their mood and behavior. This entire episode is packed with inspiring information. What we can do with nutrition and meditation alone, I think, just offers so much help. And it's really exciting to have these things, these, these therapies and these tools that we can do at home and, and do for ourselves. And they're safe and they're they're good for us, they're effective, all of that stuff. And so, you know after um, after doing the interview and then after editing the interview last night, you know, I was reminded and, and refreshed and, and um, you know, really inspired to get back on track with uh, dealing with like my own experiences of inflammation and, and how that manifests and anxiety and, and allergies and all of that stuff. So anyway, I think it's just a great episode. There's so much to learn and she has some great books coming out and there is a summit this weekend so if you're listening to it shortly after it comes out maybe you can check that out I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well and also link to her websites but I'll give you the addresses here you can check out her website www.drrosan.com and that's d-r-r-o-s-e-a-n-n.com or go to www.childrensmentalhealth.com and that's just you know go check those out and then you can find all the information about Dr. Roseanne and her her summit her books her her you know what she's offering to the world and all of her uh, experience and her knowledge which is vast So I'm really grateful that she came on this podcast. I learned so much and it was so inspiring. And I hope that you all feel the same and I'm sure you will. So I will be back next week with details for PWS Awareness Month coming up. And with that, let's get into the episode. Thank you all for being here. Roseanne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, It sounds like you're very busy and you make a lot of these appearances and I'm honored that you're here with us. Well, thank
1: you for having me and and helping me on my mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health.
0: Oh, I'm so into it. I love it. Well, and I'm not gonna lie. I was so I was looking at your website uh, to you know get a little uh, clear idea of who you are. and I saw a picture of you with Oprah and um, I, I was intimidated for a minute. I was like, oh wow, okay.
1: <laughs> How cool time. was that that I met Oprah So <laughs> I was I went to an event that Oprah was hosting and had an opportunity to meet her, which is hopefully on every woman's bucket list, but she's my mental health idol. So when I got a chance to meet her, you know, I grabbed it, of course. And uh, she's an, she's an amazing human being. And she's done so much for women and mental health and you know, for people all over the world. But certainly I feel like she's changed the, um, She's changed the landscape in such a positive way for people to talk about mental health and really destigmatize mental health.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, so let's um, start by you introducing yourself to uh, the audience and just tell us a bit about what the work that you do.
1: Sure. So um, I'm Dr. Roseanne Kapana hodge and I am a mental health expert who focuses on kids and families. And as I already said, I'm on a mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health, which made me form the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health. Um, I have helped thousands of families uh, help their children reduce and reverse mental health symptoms using only natural therapies like psychotherapy, neurofeedback, biofeedback, nutrition, supplements. Um, And I'm super, you know, grateful to be able to have really been on a healing journey with so many families.
0: I love what you're doing. We've done some, I don't even want to call them alternative therapies, but you know, we've, we've gone out of the box with a few things with Freya and the results are tremendous like it's amazing and you can have like you feel safe it feels safe to do these and and you see results and it's like wow this is why aren't more people talking about this stuff so yeah
1: when you go when you start going down the rabbit hole right, and you start looking at, you know, what does allopathic medicine typically re- recommend when your kid has um, a, you know, neurodevelopmental disorder or a mental health issue, behavioral issue, right, is now they tend to re- recommend medication first and then different types of therapies after, like, you know, speech therapy, psychotherapy, occupational therapy, that tends to be that way, which it should be the reverse, Um, and then, you know, you know my experience having now been working for 30 years. Um so I'm, you know, gonna, gonna say that I certainly have a lot of experience. And really what the research shows us is that, you know, a lot of these psychiatric medications, first of all, they're being used um off label. So that means that there's no research to substantiate the, that use for that particular issue. Um, and they're not highly efficacious for A lot of these issues. So parents are like, you know, seeing that that route doesn't work and they rightfully become Google MD and (laughs) they do a little research (laughs) and they realize, oh my gosh, there's another world, right? And especially when your kid is not getting better and they get stuck, right? Which is why I created a program called the Get Unstuck Program, but because so many people are stuck or they worsen, which is so frightening and disheartening as a parent. And and I'm not just a provider. I have two special needs kids. I have one child with chronic Lyme and PANS. Um, and I have another little guy who's dyslexic. So I hate to even, you know, call him special needs because he's just learns differently, but it is what it is. Um, so I speak from both sides and I've been working with kids and families long before my own kids had, you know, I had kids. So, um, and of course that's that way that, you know, I, I have two kids you know, who have issues because, you know, as my friends like to tell me, well, who else would be able to handle it? I'm like, I know. Um, <laughs> but, but when parents start seeing, oh, wait a second, what do you mean magnesium can help my kids sleep and focus? And oh my gosh, there's a lot of research behind it. They're often perplexed and angry that they haven't heard this before. Mm-hmm. Is that what happened to you, Anne? when you sort of went that route? You were like, we got to do something different.
0: Um, Well, no, uh, no, because the PW, so my daughter has prodigal syndrome Mm -hmm. and there is a doctor who is amazing and and kind of is represents patients uh, around the world. And she's very, um, she's very open to alternate, you know, to trying everything. And you know, try it and see what works. But as far as like just gaining access to to the possibilities, I you know, thankfully we had um, a, a therapist who did. She did, um, and I wanted to ask you about this: the uh, neurodevelopmental movements. Yes. So yeah, and the whole uh, yeah. story. I got to interview her for yep. the podcast, and yeah, amazing. And so amazing. I, really saw results with that and it was like wow why like why isn't this something that all therapists know it's like a
1: standard of care
0: right yeah, yeah why couldn't this yeah why couldn't we start this when she was you know six months old why didn't anybody tell us this <laughs> yeah and and you know for
1: those people that are listening there's you know brain-based movements that are designed to stimulate the nervous system and integrate the nervous system, there are many different kinds. I mean, even occupational therapy, if it's done in that way, right, they do primitive reflexes and and sensory integration. You know, there's a lot of things, brain gym, um, that really can help move that dial if your kid is having coordination issues or sensory issues or learning and attention problems. Um, and there's no one size fits all, but I have found that brain-based exercises should be a part of every kid's program. And it's part of every kid we work with in their
0: program. Mm -hmm. Well, my girls go to a Waldorf inspired school and they do, uh, They do the rhythmic movements and it's just something that I want to recommend to parents, but, uh, it's not always feasible because I just was blessed to have a therapist who was well-versed with it and, and showed me things. So, but she helped
1: move you in that direction, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She showed me a lot of the stuff and explained the whole reflex integration. And, you know, I mean, it just blew my mind really. And that's when I was like, wow, this, why is this not standard of care?
1: And what else is there? You know, Mm -hmm. you know, what else am I not knowing about? You know, I think, you know, I mean, why isn't this a standard of care? So, you know, obviously I have been, Holistic for the my entire life. I'm daughter of Italian immigrants, and my parents had food as medicine. So when I went into mental health, and I quickly decided I liked working with kids. Right, kids are kids. Kids are fun. I don't. I know most therapists <laughs> don't work with kids. Um, I think about less than five percent of therapists work with kids under age five um, because it's huh. a tough population. Yeah, it's tough. Little kids that eat you alive. You don't got you don't got it together, and you're not awesome. You can't even be okay. You got to be awesome. They're they're gonna eat you alive. They're gonna be like that lady's, you know, or guy or whatever. You need to be on your toes, you know. Uh And and I love that, you know. And um, they they challenge you and and help to keep you creative. And I feel like they help keep you young. Um, there's a lot of great things about it, and I love getting kids that I work with all ages, but when you get kids young, oh my gosh, you know, kids under age eight, their brains have neuroplasticity in a different way. There's the flexibility of their brain and their ability to learn. It can happen much quicker. And so I just love getting kids really young. I mean, but Mm -hmm. I, again, I also like working with a 27 year old. So, you know, it, it really depends on what, what the issues are, but you know when you are in this world and you know you're you're doing holistic things i mean what was my training now my training was very traditional you know therapist psychologist training and but you know i always had an inquisitive mind and even when i was in graduate school you know i wrote a dissertation on parent parent coaching For ADD and how effective it was. And before I wrote that dissertation, I wrote one big paper about three treatments. And one of them was neurofeedback. It just, I'm also very pragmatic and I wasn't going to, I couldn't find somebody to partner with for neurofeedback. And as a grad student, I couldn't afford the equipment. I mean, it was like thousands of dollars. And so it, it was in my brain. And so in grad school, you can explore what you want but you're really given you know we had a course on psychopharmacology we didn't have a course on evidence-based holistic treatments Mm. uh even though they were around and at that point neurofeedback had already been around decades so you know and nutrition right we want to relegate nutrition as an alternative therapy which blows my mind (laughs) i think no I mean, you want to get a bunch of therapists fired up, you you start a thread about talking to your clients about nutrition and therapists get really angry. And they're like, we're out operating outside of our scope. And I'm like, uh, no, we're not if we're trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, why wouldn't we? I think it's criminal not to educate a parent about the impact on what you eat and how it can positively impact your brain. I mean, parents are like, I didn't know that. Like if you eat this, this, and this, and it's going to make my kid learn and attend better, they're going to make those changes. Most parents. Mm -hmm.
0: It seems like that should be the starting point.
1: Of course. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so that's what I've been doing, you know, for 30 (laughs) years is teaching people the foundation components. I mean, obviously so you know the foundation components are things like sleep nutrition um genetic mutations uh nutrients and um you know, stress management. And then I really niche down on, you know, brain-based therapies like psychotherapy, neurofeedback, biofeedback and parenting. So that's what I bring to the table in this very, you know, programmed, you know, in a way that's a program that parents can do um, to help reduce and reverse mental health symptoms, which nobody ever wants to talk about. We always want to make it seem like everything is a biochemical problem, which means you're stuck right? Um, mm. And that it's, we we somehow think our genetics define us and it just isn't the case. I mean, there's so much we can do to mitigate genetic impact. I mean, we do it in many other areas. Why wouldn't mental health be that same way? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, the answer is pharma, but that's a whole other conversation. But Part of my work, I mean, yes, people come to me from all literally all over the world and you know, I really wanted to create something that I could help parents and walk them through um, this journey because a lot of things can be done, can be DIY, can be things parents can do on their own and not every parent wants to do these things on their own. so so I wrote this book called It's going to be okay, Proven Ways. Uh, to reverse your child's mental health. And I also have a program, I get on stuff program for parents that want to work with me. And, um, but, you know, I really want part of my mission and, and why I'm in the media all the time is I want parents to know. So a lot they can do and I want them to feel hopeful and capable, you know, because little waves create big waves. And we feel very overwhelmed and trust me, I understand as a special needs mom, but when we make little changes, big shifts can happen. Like you just said, Anne. like I just did exercises with my daughter and all of a sudden some big shifts mm-hmm. happened. If You didn't expect that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you were like thinking, why wasn't I doing these when she was like a baby?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's because the information isn't there. Right. Or you have mm-hmm. to search it. So I like to say my book is like you can still Google search, but it's got over 40 pages of citations. So you can go <laughs> here and you know, everything I talk about, everything I do is evidence-based. I don't do anything that doesn't have research behind it. Not that I'm not open. I you couldn't find me to be more holistic and spiritual. And you know, clients will tell me, like, oh, I'm working with an energy worker. And I'm like, are you feeling like that's helping? Yeah great keep doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> who am I to say that that is not an effective thing it's not but I'm going to what I do has evidence behind it because that's important for my work right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I support people in the choices that they make if they feel like it makes them feel good and, and
0: why not tell us a bit about what neurofeedback and biofeedback is i, I sure I- Okay. Sure. I I was wondering, like, should I know what that is? I don't
1: know. No, you, you, you know what? You shouldn't know what it is. Cause I'm going to tell you that even though it's been around for 50 years, has tens of thousands of research studies, just neurofeedback, biofeedback has been around a lot longer. I think it's 80 years. Um, But neurofeedback uh, isn't commonly known about, you know, because even though, for example, ADHD, which is, you know, one of the most common childhood conditions, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the certifying board of pediatricians since 2012, so 19 for nine years, um, says that neurofeedback is a level one intervention, the same level intervention as stimulant medication. So they're saying it's as effective as stimulant medication. Who's hearing that from their pediatrician? Nobody. Right. 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 So, um, and yet in this world of COVID, look how many people are struggling with focus and it's not ADD, right? And so yet our level of ADD medications is like going through the roof right now. So let's talk about biofeedback and neurofeedback, what they are, how they're different. So they're cousins. (laughs) Um, Biofeedback requires conscious control of what is a fancy word called your autonomic functions. So your breath, your heart rate, your skin conductance, your muscle control, your temperature. And you use a device to regulate one of those functions. So really, really simple. You can change your um, body temperature. And they sell these temperature dots. If you looked up temperature dots on Amazon, they're really inexpensive. Um, and you you put it on. If you um, put it on your hand and you teach your child to warm their hand, and you literally just say to, to your child, you can do this yourself, and you say, you're going to think about your hand being warm. And you're going to turn that, change the color of that dot, okay? And every dot is different in terms of what color is warm and it comes with different color things. So let's say it goes from blue to red. And when you do that, what's the benefit, right? So when we heat up our body, we go into an alpha state, which is a calming state. And that is biofeedback. There's other kinds of biofeedback. A real common one is something called heart mass. And you sync your breath and your heart rate. And it uses a, pul- a um, device that measures your pulse, but also has an app component, which shows you your breath and your heart rate sinking. And when you do that, you improve your attention, you get calmer, but you really have to think about it. That's the difference with biofeedback. Where neurofeedback, is subconscious. So we're tapping into the subconscious, which is in control 95 to 99.5% of the time, all the time. And we're reinforcing the subconscious for directly changing brain waves. And you say, what do you mean? How do you do that? So you're hooked to a computer and a computer is going to give you reinforcement. It's going to give you visual and auditory reinforcement. Um, from the moment you get hooked up, two to three seconds in, your brain will say, oh, if I push down this brain wave and increase this brain wave, that's typically what happens. Um, sometimes it's just pushing down or just increasing, but most of the time you're pushing down and increasing well, two different brain waves. When that happens, two to three seconds in, your brain, says to itself, it's subconscious, oh, if I push this down and increase that, I get this thing to play, which is typically a movie. So a movie will play. You might get points, you might get dinging, you might get other visual reinforcements and your brain knows that. And so it's sort of like jumping on a, a treadmill and you're running, you jump on and you just start running and you're great at it. And it's the same thing. So you have to use neurofeedback. You're you're typically doing 30-minute sessions, two to three times a week, sometimes more, depending on what people can tolerate and their time availability. And you're just like working out. You're coming in and you're building that muscle. And you're taking your brainwaves, which are in an unhealthy state, and you're moving them to a healthy regulated state. And so a great example of this is somebody who's anxious. So somebody who's anxious would have um certain areas in their brain would be overactive as well as the brain's inner communication would be what we call hyperactive. And so there would be kind of like what people have looping thoughts. So the brain literally looks like it's on a hamster wheel. It's like very lit up and overactive. And so When somebody would do neurofeedback, they'd get reinforced for calming their own brain waves. And over time, you know, somewhere between 50 and 20 sessions for most people, the brain says, Oh, you want me to be calm all the time, not just during these sessions. And it changes its set point, changes its homeostasis. But most people are doing with neurofeedback, they're doing at least 20 sessions, but most people do 40 sessions. It's a commitment. But the changes are lasting. We've researched to show that after neurofeedback, the changes last um, as far out as 10 years. So that's as far. Yeah. And actually what the research shows is that most people, their brain continues to improve on its own. Um, So you kind of shift it. And, and, you know, my experience has been that neurofeedback on its own for some people is great, but you have to make lifestyle changes. You know, you can't be eating Cheetos and ding-dongs and think your brain is going to work awesome. It's just not, (laughs) you know, does that mean you have it once in a while and it's okay? For some people, that's fine. For other people, like my kids ate that, they'd be like out of their minds for a week. So (laughs) it's not, it's not worth it, but so you have to really practice stress management, you know, these are lifestyle skills that you want your kids to have anyway, you want them to learn how to cope with safe, long wellness and there's lots of research to talk about how coping skills um, is really what builds resilience so, so that's what neurofeedback is. And, and when I use neurofeedback. I mean, I, I use it, have used it with so many clinical conditions and the research is, is the same in terms of the efficacy of, of what I use it for anxiety um, and extreme forms of anxiety. Like I'll use it for selective mutism or really, really high level social anxiety. We do a lot of OCD work. Um, I specialize in pans and pandas, Lyme disease, you know, depression. And, you know, even though we work with adults, I mean, we really mostly work with people 25 and under, um, And, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful therapy. It's highly effective. It's sort of one of these therapies that, you know, I wish just was everywhere because there isn't a person that couldn't benefit from neurofeedback. It's done for peak performance. Um, All the major athletes use neurofeedback to enhance their thinking, which then affects their ability to play sports. It also is used for concussions. The astronauts use it before they go to space. It's mandated. Um, And I've done a boatload of neurofeedback, which is why I am so highly productive and wrote four books during uh, the pandemic in four months. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) sold. Okay. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, what about um, stroke
1: victims? Yeah, so I've done a lot of work with stroke victims. Yeah, it's definitely, it's really fascinating. So um, a lot of major, major hospital systems, university hospital systems have what are called neuromodulation clinics. And neuromodulation clinics are where brain injured individuals who don't respond to standard treatments, which are typically rehab treatments like OT, PT, um, uh, speech, and always, psychiatric, always medications. So when they are not treatment responsive to those things, if they're lucky, they make it to these neuromodulation clinics. Um, like Harvard has one, you know, there's a lot of them around. And most, there's always a few in every state. And what do they have there? And they got neurofeedback. Mm, Um, they have neurofeedback and biofeedback because it works. So it's just a sad thing. You have to go all the way to the end there. And and they have very interesting treatment responses because at that point, a person has you know, you have head traumas and strokes and aneurysms and, um, you know, major, major injuries that wind up in these types of clinics. So, um, but, you know, strokes, you know, there's, um, I love to do pair, you know, whenever I have anybody with a concussion or stroke, I like to prepare like a really cleaned up diet, the anti-inflammatory, you know, Mediterranean diet with, um,
0: uh, you know, neurofeedback. It
1: works really well. Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, Yeah. What I was asking is my my dad uh, had a stroke, and yeah, he's he would fit under that, not really responding to any of the therapies. But he's also not going to give up his cookies and ice cream. So you know, (laughs) I could see that being a problem. Well, and that's one thing. So with prada Willi syndrome, diet is such a huge part of managing it. But that's because of the metabolism and the obsessive eating or the obsessive appetite (coughs) excuse me and so you know because of that I've had to learn a lot about nutrition and then just my own experience and uh with like you know having developed allergies as an adult and one of the things that I noticed when I did this um whole 30 which was like you take out everything you're just yes meat and vegetables and oils um, I noticed not only did my allergies totally go away, but my anxiety went away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me that was and I didn't really notice it till after the fact. I think when I started like eating some of my typical foods again, and then I realized like wow, I, I don't I haven't had that that underlying anxiety when I walk into a store or you yeah know, whatever. So and here's
1: in here, do you know the why
0: behind that, Anne? I think from inflammation, but I, I don't know that's right.
1: So inflammation is a major source of anxiety and depression, and this is substantiated through research. And so, you know, I think it's hard for people to understand how much inflammation a typical person has. So when I work with people, most of the time I do, uh, if they're local, I do a QEG brain math. And you can, you can literally see inflammation in people's brains. Even young kids. And you say, How is that possible? Even if they are relatively clean and what they're eating. Well, there's lots of reasons. So one, we are bombarded by toxins and chemicals. There are over a hundred thousand chemicals in our daily environment. Ugh. And kids are born with over 270, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so I think wow, right? Kids are born right out of the womb with chemicals in their system. How is that possible? So the other thing is that we have a lot of genetic mutations and the we have a high rate of mutations that are affecting how we Detoxify. And because of that, it means that we are not cleaning out these toxins and it creates an inflammatory response in the body. Plus, there's poor food quality. People are eating, you know, foods that are very heavy in sugar and, and wheat and dairy. And these are just inflammatory foods because, especially because people are eating a lot of them and they're not balancing out their diet. People often say like, oh, my kids were like a healthy eater. I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, <laughs> um, well, you know, he has lettuce and broccoli and they'll maybe list like three other things. And I'm like, you know, you can't eat the same foods. You, you've you got to rotate foods. So eating the same foods produces inflammation. So when we've done not to get, you know, um, morbid here, but postmortem studies show us that, you know, there is a higher rate of inflammation in people with neurodevelopmental disorders like um, autism um, and people with anxiety. So we have to look at you know, what you can do in lifestyle changes to reduce inflammation. And so that is supporting the detoxification pathways. That's drinking a lot of water. It's eating more nutritious foods, healthier fats like you did with the whole 30. It's pretty amazing. I I often have families that make their whole diet changes. And typically the mom will come to me in like a week and be like, I can't believe how much better I feel. And I didn't even realize how Anxious I was uh uh-huh. until I changed my diet. So, you know, I know a lot of times people will say to me, like, what do you eat? And I'm like, I eat a lot. We eat a lot. I mean, we eat a lot of really, really yummy foods. You just have to change what you're doing. Thank goodness it's gotten so much easier to eat healthy foods because I've only eaten really healthy. And um, you know, 20 years ago I'd have to like, you know, only get foods from the health force, you know, uh-huh, you know, so store. And now you can go to you know, at least the area I live, every regular supermarket has, you know, organic produce and better selections of different things that you can have. And so you have lots of choices to make it easier to cook, um, and get yummy, healthy food to power up your body and your brain. So you can get that, you know, get that inflammation down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just recently went, <clears throat> in August, I took my girls on a road trip. We went to go see grandparents. So we live in Northern California. So, you know, it's like co-ops and natural food stores all over the place. So we, and we grow a lot of our own food. So we eat really healthy. And then we went on this road trip and my girls and I, so we drove and we were gone for a month. And so we were in Indiana and in Florida and, and then on the road. And so I just had to let go of like, you know, the, the healthy diet expectations Yeah, and um, my anxiety was Mm -hmm. almost to the roof by the time we got back I mean part of it was being like the adult on a road trip with three children and like you know not not wanting to end up (laughs) like on the side of the road in the desert somewhere but uh, so much of it was food related I ended up doing a whole third another whole 30 when I came back so I was just like wow I can't I can't live like this
1: (laughs) yeah no, I mean, and you know, I think also too, when you get really clean and you're so much more connected to your body, Yeah. when you eat the yucky stuff, you feel it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and you know, That's, that's what most people will say. Now, some kids will be alert enough to say, like, I don't feel right when I eat that and other kids aren't. Um, But you know, as parents, we have an ability to really try to help our kids, um, you know, eat as healthy as possible. And I know it feels hard. And you can start with just one thing, you know, I always say just start with adding a smoothie like that doesn't have dairy in it, that's either coconut or almond milk. Um, and you know, throw in some spinach, they won't see it. Um, and some frozen vegetable, you know, fruit, and start, just start there. And it's got the fat, it's got some some greens, some veggies, uh-huh. um, and some protein, you know, and it's a good starting point for people. Most kids are really into smoothies or okay with that. Now, would that
0: be like for a snack or in place of Well, meal? It, can,
1: it can be a snack. It could be a morning breakfast. A lot of kids I work with, particularly special needs kids that have sensory issues, don't want to have breakfast. Uh-huh. Um, they might be, you know, might be too much for them. It's a great starter to your day. Yeah. But certainly can be a snack.
0: So as far as when you were talking about the biofeedback, I was wondering if um, like, Mindfulness or any kind of meditation, like breath centered meditation, would fall under that or?
1: Yes. So, um, in terms of biofeedback, that is not um, meditation, but biofeedback can incorporate that breath work. So, what I talked about, heart math, which um, teaches you to sync your breath and your heart rate, it does show you in a visual way, through the technology, how to regulate your breath with your heart rate. And so it is a very specific type of breath work. Now, you don't need a device to do breath work. And I talk about breath work all the time. And there's lots of different types of breath, you know, work that is really helpful. And I think kids... I started showing my kids, like, I mean, gosh, they must've been 18 months when I started showing them breath work. Um, but you want to teach them what's called diaphragmatic breathing, which is belly breathing. Um, and you want to show them how to fill up their belly Right. So, you know, breathing in through the nose, really getting a big belly and then out through the mouth. Um, And if you want to do more advanced breaths, you can do things like a box breath where you do four seconds, four seconds, four seconds or a star breath in and out. Or I love my favorite breath is a four, seven, eight breath where you breathe in for four, get your belly like a balloon, then you hold for seven and you exhale for eight. And these things are just great. You just get the nervous system. So you know why do we do breath work? So our kids or any of these things, neurofeedback, biofeedback. You know our nervous systems are very overactivated. So our our autonomic nervous system regulates our stress response. And when we're relaxed, we're in a parasympathetic state. When we're stressed, we are in a sympathetic dominant state. But I'm going to tell you. Whenever you have a clinical condition, anxiety, depression, or you are just chronically stressed, you're going to be in a chronic stress state, you're going to be in a sympathetic dominant state, which means that you're going to feel stressed more because you're always in this hyperactive, like call it a a stress hyperactivation state. So when we do breath work relaxes our nervous system. It pushes us into this relaxed parasympathetic state and it helps us really become stress inoculated and it's protective. Anytime we do anything like breath work, prayer, yoga, journaling, artwork, um, and a million other things that are really designed to get you into that regulated state. It's so helpful for your brain and your body. I mean, yes, you're less stressed, but you're actually more attentive. You know, when people do meditation for 10 minutes or more a day for 40 days straight, the research says you actually rewire your brain. Really? Yes. It's called 40 Days is In. Go Google it. It's a research study. Okay. So, um, and and that's true. If anybody, and it, and it's ten minutes or more. It could be quiet meditation. It could be progressive meditation. Um, it can be a lot of things.
0: Well, that's amazing. I mean, pretty I know, amazing, right? Yeah. Well, and then, and I was just thinking of you know how stressed our parents, especially in this in the special needs community, and just what a
1: Oh my gosh! Great I mean, to they're know so that, stressed.
0: Yeah. yeah, and to know to have these tools that we can do ourselves, and maybe yeah. it means you have to get up ten minutes earlier. You know, yeah, get up ten well, minutes it, before your kids get up, and <laughs>
1: absolutely get up ten minutes before your kids get up. You know, do these things with your kids. I mean, our kids co-regulate with us, right? So, what does that mean? Not to make us feel bad because we already feel bad so many ways as parents, and even more worried, and we have special, our kids are much more likely to be, you know, calmer and regulated. It just doesn't mean it's always that way. But it means we have to take care of ourselves. And that's good for ourselves. But it's a good role modeling for our children, right? So they're, they're going to learn, they learn everything from us, good and bad, just yeah. like we learned <laughs> from our parents. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really pretty amazing. And, and that's where like my, my book, it's going to be okay. You know, I have so many things like this, that I'm like, here, this is what you do mean, talk about it all the time in the media and people always want to talk to me about this, because people are struggling. I mean, long before the pandemic People were struggling. And now in the pandemic, the research uh, APA Stress in America survey says that 70% of parents in the U.S. are completely overwhelmed um, due to working and teaching from home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No surprise. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, these are tough times, you know. Um, and, you know, I have friends that, you know, the first X amount of months, you know, they had more than one kid who was nonverbal with autism and at home with their kids with, you know, no aid and not really getting a lot of instruction at all. I mean, and some of them had jobs. I mean, it's brutal.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So your book, it's going to be okay. Yeah. So what's in this book? What, who's this book for? And Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean this? this this book is really for a, most certainly parents of kids that have special needs. Um but it's really for any parent whose kid is struggling, you know, socially, emotionally, behaviorally or with learning. And it's I it's titled it's going to be okay because when parents come to me, they're worried and they're often sad and like feel that they've tried everything. And so it's the first thing I tell everybody is, listen, it's going to be okay. You're here. Um, and that's because we use proven therapies. And when parents work with us um, and they actually trust us and do what we ask them to do, kids always get better. I mean, it's just the degree of getting better, right? That That's the wild card. There's biology in there. and And some parents do... A lot of things all at once. And some parents do a couple things. And, you know, it really depends on where they're at. Right. But this book is about the eight pillars, the things that we know through research are proven to reduce and reverse mental health symptoms. And so I walk parents through the eight pillars. And this is what people pay me literally thousands of dollars to come to my center in person to do. And I, it's here in a book. That people can buy and just get started. And I mean, I think that's the thing I say to parents just get started. If it's the smoothie, just do it and do it for 30 days. Don't do it a week. You know, if it's breath work, do it for 30 days. You know, like stick with it and be consistent about it because again, little waves create big waves. Right, you don't just start out with a big wave, and we we have to get away from this impatient society. Um, and parents often are always looking for a pill to fix things, and and it's not really helping people. I mean, we're in a crisis. I mean, one in six adults are on a psych med wow. in America, um, and one in two children, based on 2011 data, have a physical or a mental health problem in the United States. Hmm. Um, It's pretty pretty bad out there. The average age of onset of anxiety now is age six.
0: Yeah. That's so young. So
1: young. And people right now, some kids are experiencing, and adults are experiencing mental health issues for the first time in their life because of the stress Mm
0: -hmm. during this
1: pandemic. I've seen more people struggling with focus and brain fog and motivation and anxiety and depression and OCD than I have uh ever you know and and some of them are just like oh my god i've never experienced this like it's a humbling thing for people and they just don't even know what to do um and so we have to look at what works and what works is natural therapies we have to stop calling them alternative right. um and they are proven therapies and that's what i call them so that's why i have my 40 pages plus of research um that you know it's not, even though I'm a total research nerd, I speak and write in a way that's digestible. There's great stories in here. I want people to understand these are things that they can do and start taking action on. Um, so that's what our book's about. And that's what our we did. A, we're doing a summit too. It's called the Get Unstuck Summit and it's free. And it's the same thing. We really wanted people to see what they can do for their children. So some people need to read it. Some people need to hear it and some people need to see it. (laughs) Uh So I wanted to bring hope and for for parents because I truly have been there as a mom. And also, like I said, I've had the privilege of helping thousands of people and want people to know there is another way. And we have to stop um, forcing these therapies that are frightening and often don't work and have little efficacy behind them on families who are like, holy moly, why didn't somebody tell me something else? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, and, and to have the power to be in control of these therapies, that was one of the things that I really loved about the rhythmic movement. Therapy, yeah. Was that, wow, I, I can do this. I can do this yeah. at home. Like I don't have to wait to get an appointment or find the right provider. I can, you know, we had the power to do it ourselves. So that was huge for me. Um,
1: I mean, truly, truly, um, that is what I want parents to know. And and like I said, some parents, it's like we do in-center neurofeedback and we do virtual neurofeedback. They can get the equipment and do it at home. And some parents are like, no, we are driving. Like I have a family that drives an hour and a half. And I'm like, you know that we could work with you virtually. And they're like, (laughs) no, it's working so good. We're afraid we're going to screw it up at home. And I'm like, but, but you won't, <laughs> you will be like, you know, like it's so funny. And I was like, and I was like, if this isn't causing stress for you. And they're like, listen to me, my kid's been suffering so long. This is a joy to come here because it's helped him so quickly. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Change your mind. Let me know. You know, so yeah. they're such great parents. They're like, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. You want us to come three times. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you come three times. It's an hour and a half each way. And they're like, but are you sure, Roseanne? And I'm like, no, no, you're not. So um, you know, they're just they're so great, you know, and and we've all been there when the road, when it's dark, and you're really like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And so when you get the light and you really see your kid, you know, that moving in that way, that you know, they're they're easier to parent, they're happier, they're connecting with other people, you know, you're you're not not just filled with hope you're like i'll do whatever it takes you know so and that's what this book is about i and i I tell everybody it's going to be okay because we often are just so scared and unsure and um feel like we're out of solutions and i want people to know that there's lots of evidence-based solutions they just might
0: not know about excellent excellent yes so when does the book come out because i yeah right no,
1: it's out on May 11th. May 11th, okay. I'm so. sure there'll be a pre-sale. I don't know when it is, but it's out on May 11th. And our summit, the Get Unstuck Parenting Summit is April 23rd, 24th, and 25th. And for people that want to buy it after, they'll be able to buy it
0: after too. Okay, you. Go- <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. Well, I'm excited for the book. I'm definitely gonna get a copy.
1: Well, sounds- thank you. I'm excited for it too, even though it was one of my four books I wrote in the pandemic. I mean, it's definitely something, it's my life's work. It's what I tell people every day and show them how to do. And, um, you know, I'm grateful to be able to share this with people because we need it. We need it really more than ever. And there really isn't anything like this. There's not a resource. I mean, other therapists are always like, how did you learn this stuff? And I'm like, oh boy like a few hundred books and lots of clients. My moms have taught me so much. I mean, I first learned about genetic mutations and how it impacted mental health from one of my moms, you know, and I was like, she was like, do you know what about this? And this was so long ago. And I was like, well, I know about genetic mutations like that affect like, Um, you know, neurodevelopmental, cognitive things. But I don't know about these other things that are related to detoxification. Like I know all about detoxification and it just opened up this whole other world and another way for me to be able to help people because you can have this mutation. MTHFR is a really common one. I have it. And you can use simple things to mitigate the effects of it and improve your physical and mental health sometimes immediately, um, sometimes it's longer, but there's things you can do. Like, and you might be struggling with something and nobody's ever presented this. So it's pretty amazing when you open up Um, this, you peel the onion and you're like, holy moly, there's a lot of good layers in here. We always think about peeling an onion as a negative way, but this is really like, you know, what, where's the blossom here? There's so many beautiful petals to this um, that, and parents can do many. I mean, you know, once you start opening the door to a holistic lifestyle, you're like, what else is there, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is pretty cool. And, and, you know, these are safe things that are natural and effective and parents don't have to feel bad about trying them. Um, Just like you tried exercises. What was it going to happen to your kid from those exercises? Maybe they didn't like them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's about it, right? (laughs) But you had to consistently do them to see the effect. You You know, know, it was
0: interesting was that when we started doing for the first two weeks, she fell asleep every time, just like crashed. And it was just like 10 minutes, but I, I think it was just so overwhelming for her body, but like in a good way.
1: Well, her computer needed to reboot. That's mm-hmm. what happened. So her body, there was probably literally rewiring going on. So it needed to turn off to reset. Yeah, It yeah. was
0: pretty powerful. I love that. Pretty powerful.
1: I love that. It's amazing, right?
0: Well, Roseanne, I had I was going to ask one more question. Although <laughs> after talking about your book, I I bet I know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. But I was I was going to ask if you had a common thing that you say to parents when you meet them, some words of advice or wisdom when they come to you and if they're feeling like overwhelmed and, and just, you know, burdened at all.
1: You heard that. I always say it's going to be okay, but you know, I also teach parents a lot about um, how to tweak how they talk to parents and their children. I'm sorry. And what I teach them is how to get their kids to cope. And we often, do so much for our kids thinking that we're helping them and kids today don't like feeling uncomfortable. Nobody likes feeling uncomfortable. They don't like the feeling of being angry. They don't like the feeling of grief. They don't like the feeling of being sad. And these are important emotions that kids should process. And so when we teach our long skills and we really almost guarantee that they're going to have the tools to get through whatever goes on in their life, and and have much better. The research shows that that they'll have better mental health. So I give parents, and your listeners can get it to um, coping statements. So I have over a hundred coping statements, and you can go to teletherapytoolkitbonus.com. It's teletherapytoolkitbonus.com, and you can download. There's over hundred coping statements, and parents are often just thrill, it's tweaks and how you say things. So your kid comes home and they, another kid was mean to them on the bus. So instead of saying, you know, oh, that kid's a jerk, you know, or honey, I'm so sorry. Let me hug you. It's like, wow, how did you get through that? And the kid will say like, well, you know, I just ignored her and I told them to stuff it. And wow, that's pretty incredible. What do you think you can do tomorrow? right? And you start getting them to problem solve. It's okay to give them a hug too. But what you want to do is get them to start coping with those things and learning how to manage it on their own. We always want to help our kids, but we don't want to accommodate things so they never deal with terrible situations because what they'll do is they'll always look for you to be their life preserver without trying to swim on their own. And that is why we have many, many individuals who are highly stressed out. Um, So, so important. And it's really the key to building resilience. It's just simple, useful things that parents can do. You know, again, you don't have to make massive changes, but you can tweak what you're doing so that your kids' learning can be
0: different. Mm Mm-hmm. Roseanne, thank you so much. This was very enlightening and educational and also inspiring, a nice reminder of of how much we can do to help our children and ourselves cope with stress and and manage all of the things in this life <laughs> through with, you know, with it's very empowering to know these things.
1: yeah. I mean, it's not an easy road. And for those of us and like us that have kids that are different, it's harder. In, um, but I think parenting is hard anyway. But uh, gosh, especially in 2021. I mean, we we life throws us a lot of curveballs. Um, but in 2020 and 2021, holy moly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and everybody want to talk to every reporter, all they want to do is like, do you have a few minutes? Can I talk to you about my kid? Um, (laughs) and I'm always happy and we, we should be there to support each other and never judge each other. And, um, you know, if we did a lot more of that, and we built community, gosh, it would just be so so much better. And our kids would really benefit from it.